0: It's good to be in his house. Isn't it good to gather together? We just thank you, Lord, for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that as you bring your word forth, I thank you, Lord, your word says of itself that there is life within it. That it is literally called the word of life. I thank you, Lord, that it separates soul from spirit. I just pray, God, that your word today would be a sifter, Lord, sift out the flesh from the Spirit. Lord, I pray you'd sift out through your word our desires from your desires. Lord, I pray from your word that you would reveal to us what is your plan and purpose, Lord, versus what is our plans and purposes. God, I pray from your word that it would become clear, Lord, like you have said in your word, that this is the way, walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. God is so good, isn't he? And I just want to give him praise and honor and glory. He deserves it. No matter what life is like here on this earth or in our personal lives, God always deserves to be praised and to be honored and glorified. He is so good. Even when it doesn't seem like he is. He is always good. Uh, This is part four of what I've been preaching on uh, for the last uh, few weeks, which is part one, comforted to comfort. Part two was given to give. Part three was loved to love. And part four is life for life. Everybody say life for life. Who knows that God has given you gifts, and abilities. God has given you His very Spirit. God has given you everything you need, the Word says, to live a spiritual life. Who knows we are not without excuse, or we are without excuse. That was a double negative. Who knows we are without excuse, that every single thing we need in Christ is in Him who is in us amen i want to say this jesus led by example what i want to preach today is i want to i want to get rid of the separation there's a separation of man and christ which is that christ is up here and man is down here and we could never possibly live like him I remember being a young man uh, arguing with my mom, and she said to me, what would Jesus do? Who's ever heard WWJD? And she was completely and totally right when she said it to me, because I was wrong, and I said, guess what, Mom? I'm not Jesus, which was a rebellious teenager. And the reality that I want to get to us today is I want to Get rid of that separation that has put Christ on the throne, which is where he deserves to be. I don't want to take Christ and remove him from that place, but I want to get rid of the separation that has put us down here on the earth as little ants, which we are in the natural. But when we were saved and redeemed, our human flesh was left in the grave. Your body was left there. Your bo- the word says that we have a new mind. We're going to have new bodies. We have eyes to see. We have ears to hear. Jesus said, you're my hands. You're my feet. I mean, the whole thing, if you look at the word, is that the old you, the little tiny you, the ant you, that the devil wants to look at you and call you, or your flesh calls you, you look at yourself as small and insignificant, is that Christ has literally, he paid a price to give you salvation and eternity, but he has literally come From heaven, through the Holy Spirit, to live inside of you on the earth. Do you believe that? That's the word. That's the gospel. The gospel is not just that you received the golden ticket from Willy Wonka. That's what we've turned it into. We've turned it into a ticket to get on a ship, to get on a train, to go somewhere, right? To get into heaven. And that is not a lie, that you go to heaven through Christ and his blood, but that is only the base things. Paul said, let's move on from the base things, like resurrection from the dead. He said, that's milk, and you should be eating meat. Who believes that? We're the mature church in here, aren't we? We are the mature believers, so which means that we should be eating meat, right, on. And not just milk, but that we need to be eating the meat of the word, which is... What the word really is, right? The surface, the milk of the word is that Jesus loves you. He came to die for you. That will never, ever change. And that's always going to be the base to the entire thing that we have here with him. Okay, that never, ever changes. But the longer you walk with him, and he might put you on a really rapid path where you need to play some catch up because he meant a long time ago in your life, And now here you are, and he's like, okay, we're going to do some things quickly because you need to catch up to where I want you to be today. So it doesn't mean it needs to take 30 years. It might be one year, two years that he speeds you up to something that has taken 30 years in someone else's life. But the point is that God wants to get us to a place of maturity, a place of really walking as he walked on this earth, a place where we are like Christ. You were made in his image, and Jesus fought hard, He fought the devil himself on that cross to purchase back the image that he originally designed for you, which is to be in his image. So firstly, I want you to get this, that Jesus led by example. I want you to say that out loud. Jesus led by example. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way, which means... Not only just the way to eternity, but I am the way to live on the earth. Do you see how you could say it sounds like the same thing? To a non believer, it sounds the same, but to a believer, do we see the fine line, how it's completely different? It's like saying, I'm technically Dawn's husband, right? I could just say I am her husband in technicality. Or, I can say I'm her husband, and only she and I know the intimacies of what that really means, really knowing each other and being there for each other. So I can say I'm a technical Christian. I'm technically a Christian, right? Do you want to be that type of Christian, or do you want to be the real believer, the one where we know who we are as one, that I am in Christ and he is in me, and we know each other, and I know what that means to live for him. Amen. When he said I'm the way, he didn't just mean I'm the way for you to not go to hell. I am the way for you to live on the earth. I am the representation. I am the representation of God on the earth, and one day you will be the representation of God on the earth. When the world sees you, they should see Christ, not see you. Do you believe that? The Bible says they're going to look through you because you're transparent. We know we're transparent, don't we? We even use that term, I want to be transparent. But when they look through our transparency, what they should not see is uh, hidden agendas and hidden sins and, and manipulation to somehow become somebody, secretly facading as a believer, right? But when they look at us, they should see the humble nature of Jesus Christ himself. When Jesus humbled himself before God, God lifted Jesus up. Who believes that? That's the foundation here that Jesus laid. He gave his life humbly. He gave everything. He did not hold back for us. And the Bible says that God lifted him up, set him high above, seated him on the throne, and every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. The question to ask is, did Jesus have something to prove to his father? Why did Jesus do what he did? Did he have something to prove? No, Jesus humbled himself even to death for us. That his whole humility, we see this picture, Jesus humbled himself, God lifted him up. It wasn't proving anything to God. You being humble is not earning God's respect. You living like Christ is not pleasing Him so that you just get rewards, even though God gives us rewards for pleasing Him. Do you see how it can be the same thing, but look at it from two different sides? Same thing using a husband and wife. I can love Dawn so that she loves me back, or I can just love her because I want to love her, which will do what? Probably gets her to love me back. You see how we can get the same results? And so when we please God... We're not doing it for reward, but yes, he rewards us because we please him. Jesus humbled himself and was lifted up for us. And we must humble ourselves to represent Christ for this world. That is the reason. There are many blessings that come in this earth and after the earth and heaven because of doing that. But the main purpose is not for that. We are doing it because we know that's what must be done. Jesus said, this is why I came. He knew that that was the purpose. The world today is trying to find their purpose. They're so lost. In our Western world today, they're literally making up the rules as they go along. They don't even know what's up and down anymore and left and right anymore. They're just blurring every line that, that there is. You can be anything and anyone you want to be. Anything. You want to be a star, be a star. That's, I'm not making that up. They really, that's what Christian science believes. You're just stars. The Bible says that Jesus humbled himself even to death because he loved this world and God glorified him And Jesus said that if we will share in his suffering, which is what? Are we suffering because of our sin? Are we to suffer through dealing with sin? No. The suffering is not dealing with our sin. The suffering is living like Christ in the earth, and everything in the earth is opposing that. But we've turned the gospel into just dealing with our own personal sins Finally achieving and finally becoming holy just before we make it to heaven. Whereas the Holy Spirit is actually refining you simultaneously while you are representing for Christ. That's the true picture of the gospel. The man on the cross, Jesus is there on the cross, right? Who remembers? And all he says to Jesus is, remember me in your kingdom. And Jesus says, today we will be in paradise. The simplicity of the gospel is truly that. And yet, when I look through the scriptures, especially when I read about Paul, and I'm going to look at him today, I see a man who said the same thing to Christ, in essence, but lived a life as Christ did on the earth. It was just as simple in his declaration, but his life was in line with Christ, which is not a life really that looked like it was filled with blessings and joy it was filled with suffering and hurt and heartache and heartbreak and yet he said i have a joy that you don't know of the same thing he talks about this joy that that we can't even understand and jesus said the same words he, they said to him you must be so hungry lord you haven't eaten he's like i have a food that you don't know you don't know of I have fulfillment, I have joy, I have something, I have life within me that you don't even understand. And Paul came to understand it, and yet if you looked at his life, what you saw was suffering. The Bible says we bring glory to God by suffering with Christ, and the Bible says we will share in his glory. Humility means Obedience, and when there is obedience, God shows up with strength to accomplish the task and with the reward for the obedience. I'm going to say that again. When there is obedience, God always shows up with the strength to accomplish the task and with the reward for the obedience. I want you to look with me at the book of Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, it says in verse 7, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. I want you to say that out loud. I will harvest what I plant. That means that the way I live, the things I say, the things I do, they have a repercussion. They had a result. It means that if I drive through a stop sign, I'm going to receive the repercussions. Now, maybe I'll make it through one. Maybe I'll make it through two. Maybe I'll make it through a dozen unscathed, but eventually I'm either going to get a ticket or I'm going to kill someone. Do you see what I'm saying? That what you sow, that what you do, the things you say, the things you do, they have repercussions. You need to understand that, that your life is not flippant. Say, I'm not flippant. Your life is not just this flowy kind of this, just move through the earth and let's just see what happens. That's a lie from the devil. Now, sometimes on Saturday mornings or on a Sunday afternoon, I like to feel like that. The Lord's not going to judge you if you need some time where you don't. Need to worry about anything and you kind of just let's just flow through this day and let's have a little downtime. But I specifically call that that downtime. I call that pulling away from what really matters and what I'm really focused on. That's what that needs to be. If you live your life like that, you will reap a result of flippancy. You live flippantly, you live kind of carelessly, that's the result you would get. In fact. There are believers today, I know not in this room, but there are believers who don't know their Bible, who don't read their word, and you know what they have? They have this life where suddenly something bad happens and they say, God, where are you? Meanwhile, they were very flippant about the things that God was warning about them all along, but they were careless about those things. They cared more about what Netflix said. They cared more about what society was telling them. And suddenly, they come up against an an instance that they can't figure out, and they don't know what to do, and then they blame God. And God says, you're the one that sowed those things. Now, that doesn't mean that I love you, and it doesn't mean we can't fix this situation, but you made some decisions, and here's the results of them. Now, thank God that Jesus also came to a fig tree one time, and he cursed that thing to the root, and he dealt with something, right? Right? God can deal with things, God can make the best out of a a horrible situation, but that's going to take a choice to turn around and deal with it and start planting things on purpose from that moment on. Amen. And the Bible says in verse 8, everybody okay, you following me today? The Bible says in verse 8 that those who live, or the older translations say, or sow. Those who sow, those who plant, those who plant only to satisfy their own sinful nature. Those who plant to give themselves, if you live for you or live carelessly, flippantly about the things of God, the Bible says we will harvest decay and death from the sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit, or who are giving or are sowing they're planting spiritual things i'm living in a spiritual way i'm planting i'm reading his word i'm trying to understand what god wants from my life god who are you what do you have for me what do you want in my life who am i supposed to be today who am i supposed to talk to today what do you want me to say today and I, so i'm i'm proactive and i'm focused on him and what happens is the Bible says I'm going to receive a spiritual result, but if I live my life just saying, well, what do I want to do today? What do I want to be today? Not only that, but in fact, uh, in fact, uh, conjoined with those, those flippant earthly thoughts is I don't care about you right now. I'm going to cut you off in traffic, and my mind is thinking about the conversations I had with so-and-so, and I'm like, who do they think they are? And I'm dealing with them in my mind, and... You know what I'm what I'm saying here. And what happens is the result is going to be flesh. It's going to be it's going to be in fact sin. But the Bible says here in verse 8 that if I will sow spirit, if I will plant in the spirit, if I will focus on the Lord, the Bible says I will harvest everlasting life from The spirit. Who wants everlasting life? The Bible says if I will plant spirit. Let's just review that again. If I will make my life about him. How do I know that my life is about him? Just because I say it? Who uh, in your, in a profession, right? Who would want a doctor working on them that says I'm a doctor. But never went to medical school, but they are good at professing it. They're incredibly confident. I got this. Okay, but have you been trained? I got this. I'm a doctor. Okay, but have you ever done any surgeries like this before? I'm a doctor. Just had a great victory in my life. I'm a doctor. Yeah, but do you know how to do this? I'm a doctor. Right, we can be really good at saying I'm a Christian. Right, We say I'm a Christian whenever it's convenient. I'm saying we, you know, everybody's getting it. How do I know that I'm sowing spirit, living for the spirit? Because I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, I love you and I want to know you. How do I do that? And he said, to everybody in this room and to everybody who's ever gotten saved through my word. Everything you need to know about me is in my word. Everything about my nature and my character, about how when people do good and when people do evil, you can see exactly who I am. You can see what happens in their life when they trusted me and honored me, and you can see what happens in their life when they didn't. You can see what sin brings and you can see what righteousness brings. You can see how going through hard times doesn't mean that you're in the wrong. That might, It probably means you're in the right, and there's going to be a good result over here. And you can see how the easy life of careless life leads to destruction. See, we've gone into the Word, and I said, I want to get to know you, God. I don't want to just be flippant about this life that I'm living especially since the Bible says it's a vapor. It's just passing away so quickly. I want to make sure that I'm doing what you've asked me to do right now because I'm, I haven't gotten any younger. Anybody came in a little bit younger than they were yesterday? Anybody wish you did? I can't believe every time another, you know, date, I mean, we're in June of 22, and one day someone's going to listen to this podcast in like June of 32 and say, wow, that's 10 years ago. That he said that. Dawn and I were talking about how uh, 22 years ago, I think it was 22 years ago, uh, 21 years ago, we were with my brother on a train and coming back from the city, and my brother I was talking to Dawn, and they were saying, "Hey, you know, before you know, it, we're going to be at the wedding. You know, this is you know, before you know that year before, we're going before you know it, we'll be there, and now." <laughs> Now, here we are in 2022. Life is passing us by, and God has something for us to do with it. And the Bible says that if we will be serious, we will inherit eternal life. Who wants to harvest everlasting life from the Spirit? So the Bible tells us in verse 9, because he's warning us 2,000 years in advance because he knows human nature. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. See, the world just says, it's too hard to do good, so let's just do what we want. In fact, I've told you before, I've heard people literally confess to me, my life got easier when I just stopped praying and stopped seeking God. When I got rid of the pressure of having to read his word every day, I just felt so much freer. I just felt like there was pressure, always to have to read the word, pray, spend time with God, go to church. Ah, what a burden. What a burden that God puts on us. It's much easier to watch football on Sunday. And then that time that I would be reading his word, just to go to the gym and work out. The Bible says, let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time we will reap a harvest of... Now, the Bible says here... Let's pull up the Amplified here for verse 9. Because it says blessing, which is not untrue. It's not that that's a lie, but this is the, the fullness of it. Let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint and acting nobly and doing right. For in... Everybody say, in due time. And everybody say, and at the appointed season. All right, there is a moment. There is time where the reckoning comes. There is a moment, I don't know when that is in your life, but there is a time where God looks at what we've done. The Bible says that all our works will be tried in heaven. Do you know that everything you've done will be tried before God? The Bible says He's going to try our works and He's going to look at them. He's going to test them with fire. And he says that the gold, the silver, the precious stones, they're going to remain. But the wood, the hay, the stubble, that's, that's flesh. The things I do, the things that were for me, the Bible calls them earthly things, right? The wood, the hay, and the stubble. That's the earthly stuff that gets burned up. And so the Bible says that the gold, the silver, the precious stones, those are the things that, in fact, were formed under the pressure and in the fire so they survive. The fire. The Bible says, if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. So the Bible says that if we don't let up, if we don't relax our courage and faint, the Bible says that we will reap a harvest of life. There is life within us, there is a harvest of life in Christ. And verse 10 says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. What I've been talking about for these last four weeks is that your life is not about you. Everybody say, my life is not about me. You were designed by God to have a relationship with God. Sin got in the way when Eve said, I'm going to do what I want to do. And Adam quickly followed her and said, I'm going to do what I want to do. That looks good. I'm going to do that too. And that's what, exactly what the world does. The world says, Here, I'm doing something fun. Do you want to do it too? And we look at the apple, right? It's not really an apple, but we just, you get the picture, right? It's a fruit. We look at it in Eve's hand and we say, That looks good. I want to do that too. And we disregard what God wants. We disregard what he has said. We disregard all his blessings, all his gifts, all his love, all his grace, all his mercy. And we foolishly decide to do what we want to do for one moment. The Bible says, a moment on the lips forever on the hips. No, that's not in the Bible. But that's basically what the Lord is saying. He says, and this, this whole series that I've been preaching to us, is that your life is for another. Your life is meant to be a light and salt to the earth. He said, if you're light, he said, beware, because if you're light, it might be darkness. You might think you have light, but you don't have light. He said, if you lose your saltiness, what good is it? It's not even good for... He said, it's just pavement. Just throw it. It's not good for anything if we lose our saltiness. So the Bible really here in Galatians is telling us that there is a way to live that pleases God, and it brings about a pleasing result, a a life that, that I want in this earth and eternally. Do you see how... If I want the Lord to bless my future and to bless ahead of me, then I probably should see what I should start planting now so that I can receive it then, both in this earth and after. Do you understand? But if I'm flippant and careless and just do what I want and assume that God's got my back, I'll just say, Lord, you bless what I'm doing. Instead of saying, Lord, what do you want to do? I'm going to receive a result from me or I'm going to receive a result from him. I want him. Talking about the kingdom of heaven and about what Christ was here for, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the kingdom of heaven is near. You see that Jesus was coming to preach about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was giving his life. He came for a purpose. He said, I have no place to lay my head. Who knows the scriptures? Jesus said, beware. If you want to follow me, let me first tell you this. I don't even have a place to lay my head. You want to really follow me, what you are entering is a life that has no comfort in this earth. Does that mean the Lord doesn't love us here on the earth? Does that mean the Lord can't bless us on the earth? That's not what I'm saying. He's just making us aware that this earth is not it. That your life here on the earth, if you're gonna follow me, then I wanna tell you right now. Foxes have dens, right? But the son of man has no place to lay his head. The things of the earth, this is their home. But I'm not of this earth. And so he talked about the kingdom of heaven, and he talked about its value. And the Bible says in Matthew 13, verse 44, he said, It's like a treasure. And when a man found it, he sold everything he had to buy the field that contained that treasure. Verse 45, he said, It's like when a man, verse 45, and he's a merchant, he's looking for choice pearls. Verse 46 it says, he found a pearl of great value, and he sold everything he owned and bought it. What the Bible's telling us is, is that everything, everything that you have, everything that you are, we must give it all to the Lord. Everything precious, everything worthwhile, everything that has value comes at a cost. Has anybody ever heard the phrase, freedom isn't free? Jesus paid for our life with his blood, and our lives are a reflection of him. Yes, you cannot earn your salvation, but your blood does purchase something. You're laying down of your life. It's, there is a cost to be paid. Everybody say there's a cost to be paid, but it's worth it. To truly live like Christ is to pay the cost. We are not meant to suffer through sin. That's the devil. And the gospel, it's not inaccurate that you have to deal with your sin, because we do. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is that we are suffering because we're living righteously. Wow. We think we're suffering because we're in sin. No, you're in death. That's what sin is. But in Christ, when I come into Christ, I am ruling over sin. Sin does not own me. My suffering is because I'm living righteously. Now, that sin might be trying to creep in, right? It's always trying. The devil's always trying to look for an opening, look for an entrance, but I keep denying it. And so by living righteously, I enter into another suffering. It's a greater suffering. Everybody say, it's a greater suffering. There's a suffering that comes from sin, right? The Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season, but its end is death or destruction, right? There is a suffering. The world is suffering because they're living in sin. When we come into Christ, you are not freed from suffering. You're freed from that suffering. You come under a Christian suffering, which is that you have come into a place where where my life is not my own, and I'm willing to pay the price, I'm willing for its cost because it's going to produce something of worth and value. I want something of value. I'm willing to do what you've asked me to do. I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to go through and carry the burdens, if I must, to bring the results. Amen. I read a quote, and I think... I said last week, it's either by, it's either unknown or it's by a New Age spiritualist, as I said last week. I couldn't find which which it is. And if it's a New Age spiritualist that said this, I'm not giving them any credit because they stole it from the Bible. The devil's a copycat, right? God's the original, God's the OG, the original God, right? And everything else is a copycat. But this is what the quote said. Grapes are crushed to make wines. Diamonds are formed under pressure. Olives are pressed to make oil. Seeds grow in darkness. Whenever you feel crushed, under pressure, pressed, or in darkness, you're in a powerful place of transformation. What I wanted to speak to you today was really just to remind us that as a believer, we are not flippant, we are determined. Our eyes are set on Him, and we are living by the Word, not in a religious way to prove something to God or prove something to the world, but we are living right because we know that it's the only way. Not be, we cannot say the Bible is a good way to live. It is the only way. So I, because I know it's the only way, I must be diligent to it. And I want a harvest that is pleasing to God, that is best for me and best for those around me. Amen. Who wants the same thing? I woke up this morning. Sometimes I told you guys last week that sometimes the Holy Spirit will change my sermon on the morning of. Sometimes he does. And uh, he didn't do that today fully, but partly some of the things are because he woke me up with some thoughts. I woke up this morning with a Greek word in my mind. It's the word Zoe or Zoe. Who's, who knows that word? Dan knows it, right? Because that's, that's old Bible teaching right there, right? It's a word that means what, Dan? Dan? It means life. Now, I don't think it was the devil, because why would the devil wake me up on the morning I'm about to preach a sermon and give me the word life? Because the Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the Son of Man, right? Christ came to give us life. That's Zoe. If you look up that scripture, it's Zoe. Zoe. Z-O-E. He came to give us Zoe and Zoe abundantly. So I don't think it was the devil, and I honestly don't think in Greek very often, so I don't think it was me. So I said, okay, Lord, what are you saying? And I believe what the Lord was saying is bringing this sermon to a fullness and to a completion is this, God is trying to produce life inside you. Now, you were given life instantly, right, Then, Because the Word of God is a seed which contains life. Christ was the seed. The Bible tells us. I mentioned that scripture last week. He said, unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, right, it remains alone, but it produces a harvest of many. That was Christ referring to himself, that he was the seed that would die to produce us. The Bible is the Word. Jesus, let's let's just look at the scriptures, right? Jesus is the Word made flesh. So the Word is the seed. Christ is the Word. Are we getting this? That means that instantly when I received Christ, like the man on the cross, life came into me. So I had life. Everybody say, I had life. At the moment, I repented, confessed my sins, and said, come in. Instantly, I had life. But what he's doing inside me is not just merely fighting with my soul my whole life, dealing with my sin so that I finally submit. That's a waste of a life. I'm not saying that that must not be. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. That is what we must do. But the devil wants to keep you warring there. Let's go through all the patriarchs, right? Even Jacob, right? He's warring with God there. And bam! The angel of the Lord knocks him in, the, in his hip, and he said that he warred with man and with God. The war was over. Comes across the Jordan, right? I think it's the Jordan. He crosses back over into Israel, basically, where Esau was. And he said, you know, I'm done fighting. Take here. Here's blessing. I worked so hard to get it, but you can just have it now. He's like, I don't need it. Esau's like, I don't need it. I've got my own. He's like, no, no, I want you to have it. Finally takes it. The warring was over. We, we must come to a place where it's over. But the devil wants to just keep us there, warring within ourselves in the soul. And I'm, so what I'm saying is I'm not saying that's not supposed to be done, but I want you to get something here. What the Lord is trying to produce in us is Life. That war must happen because here's what happens. You ready? While the devil's trying to trap you there and keep you, he's trying to keep you trapped in hurt. He's trying to keep you trapped in bad mentalities and keep you focused there. You ready for this? Here's what's happening. The Bible talks about diamonds. It talks about precious stones. The Bible talks about wine. The Bible talks about oil. Do you know that all these precious commodities, every single one of them, are formed under tremendous pressure and crushing. The grape is crushed. The olive is crushed. And what happens is a wine. The Bible, the reason he says you need a new wine skin for a new wine, you know what that is? They didn't just carry around like a little sack. You know, we picture like these little leather sacks of like, you know, something I could just drink as I want. they were like drunkards apparently everywhere they went. No, they took like big leather, they took like the whole skin, they would stitch up the whole skin of the animal, and they would pour the brand new crushed grapes, all the liquid, right? To gonna kind of be wine, it's just grape juice, they'd pour it into an animal skin, and it would begin to expand. And the reason it needed new skin is because it, inside there is the fermentation process going on, it's becoming wine. And so you look at all the precious things that the Bible talks about, the wine being made, the oil in the lamps, right? Matthew 25, the oil in the lamp. Calling the the good things we do gold and silver and precious stones. Those things are formed down inside the earth. They say that diamond, right, is the hardest substance on earth, and it's formed in volcanoes. So let me get something to us. While the devil's trying to trap you in your sin and your hurt and your bitterness and all those things, in your situation right now, there's a struggle going on inside you or in your life. And you know what God is doing? God's saying, I've got the seed of life in you. The pearl of great price, you know what it was? It was a speck of sand. Who knows how a pearl is formed? It was a speck of sand. And the clam says, this is irritating to me. And it begins to put protection around it. And you know what happens? A pearl is formed. All the precious things are formed because you are struggling, because you're being crushed, and because you're under pressure. But what God is doing is suddenly there is something of value. There is something of worth. You have dealt with God, and you've dealt with you, and you've dealt with the devil, and what comes out? See, because Jesus had to... That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus comes into the Garden of Gethsemane. He dealt with the devil, didn't he? devil tried to tempt him and lure him away, and he didn't do it. He dealt with himself and with God in the Garden of Gethsemane because the Bible says he came into that olive grove. You think that's a coincidence? You think that they was at the Mount of Olives by coincidence? You think God does anything by coincidence? And right there in the olive grove, Right there in that garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is literally physically producing wine and oil from his body. The Bible says he was under such tremendous pressure. The Bible, just for time, I'll just say it because I know you believe me that I'm quoting the scripture. Jesus said, I'm crushed. My spirit is crushed. I feel pressured. I feel pressed. I feel crushed under what I'm dealing with. And he said, Lord, let this cup pass from me but thy will be done. So you see that he dealt with the devil. He dealt with his own instincts and his own flesh. And he dealt with God in the Bible. Once he said, thy will be done, it was finished. And what came out of that was, and he literally gave us the picture. The Bible says his pores began to sweat blood. That literally the the wine began to come out of his spirit. That what you're doing... And what you're dealing, when you're dealing with God and when you have set your eyes on the... See, Jesus said his, he was set like Flint. He had a focus. He had a plan and a purpose here on the earth. He was not flipping. Who believes that Jesus was not flipping about his purpose? And when you set your eyes like that, that's exactly what Paul did. You know what? The reason I believe that God has Paul written so much or so much about Paul is to show us it's not just Jesus See, the gospel has created this big divide. Jesus suffered, so you don't have to. Jesus died, so you don't have to. Now, let's let's say it correctly. Let's say those words correctly. Jesus suffered the penalty of sin, so you don't have to. Jesus died the eternal death, so you don't have to. If I look at every single disciple... And every scripture that follows Christ, I don't see it in my gospel where he says, you don't have to suffer because I did. I don't see it. Who has heard that gospel before, though? Who has heard those lines I just said? And the the truth is, the reason that most of the church, most believers are so flippant and their gospel is balanced with Netflix and with the Bible is because nobody's paying the price. Nobody's willing, willing to deal with the internal issue enough to let it crush them to produce the oil. But we must. We must let it crush inside of us and let that thing not overcome us, but we, we plead to the Lord, Lord, I know. I'm not going to live this way. I'm not going to think this way. I'm not going to let this world overcome me. I'm not going to live for this world. And in, I'm not going to waste time just dealing with me my whole life. Lord, I know that there is another. There is a person out there that needs my oil, that needs my wine. That the reason I'm doing, that you're dealing with me in this way, is not just to make me holy and for, for heaven. Come on. He's not trying to make you ready for heaven. You think you're going to be bitter in heaven? You think you're going to be envious and jealous in heaven? The reason we have to deal with these, these things is so that I can be righteous on earth. The reason we're dealing, the devil wants to trap you there is because if he gets you trapped there and all you're doing is just spewing, it's like it's like the pot, ready for this, where the purifier of gold, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. The purifier of gold, he takes something called flux, and what he does is he throws it into the pot of impure gold, and what it does is it causes the impurities to float to the surface. The gold refiner, he is so jealous for pure gold that he will keep heating it up, Until it produces what he wants. Who do you think the master is? The gold or the refiner? The gold refiner has paid a price to get that gold. And he's going to do what it takes until it's finished. Because there's something precious in there. But if you will not let go of the stuff that the devil wants you trapped in this life. And in this world. And in things. Because it keeps you inside that pot. And the fire is going to continue. But meanwhile, if you let that fire work, if you let the pressure work, if you let the process, the cost of going through things that are unjust, somebody does something to you, it's not right. People have said things to you, it's not right. If you turn that bitterness and you've turned those jealousies and you've turned those hurts into fuel to your fire, what begins to happen is you have something precious, right, Annie? an oil is formed inside you. There's a wine inside you and nobody can touch it. No one can take it. There's something that you've paid a price for. That's why Jesus, he deals with them so harshly in Matthew 25. It seems so harsh that they, what, they forgot to bring oil for their lamps that he says, you workers of iniquity, they can't go into heaven? They can't go into heaven just because they forgot? They said, give us some of your oil quickly, quickly. The master's coming, give us some of your oil. You know why it was so harsh? You know why he said, Get away from me, I don't know you, you workers of sin, you sinners? Because they were flippant. They were flippant. They thought, I can carry the lamp, I can look like a believer, but I'm not going to do, I'm not willing to do really what it takes to produce internally. And what happened is they had no light. The oil is not just so that we have oil. It was to do what? The Bible tells us exactly what it was for. It was for light in their lamps. The oil produced the light. If you don't, it's, it's just, it's so simple, ready? If you don't have light, you don't have oil. If you don't have oil, you don't have light. Okay, so we get that. If you don't have light, you are not shining for Christ. If you're not shining for Christ, you have not let Christ work inside you. But Christ's purpose to work inside you is to shine for them. And what God sees is when we're not willing to let him work inside of us, it's not just us dealing with us. It's really telling him, I don't care about anybody but myself. It's very subtle, but if you really dig deep to the heart of it, it's like, well, I just need to deal with me. That's what we keep saying the world is saying. That's what the world says. I just need to deal with me. I need, you know, I just need to love me right now. When I can love me, then I'll love you. That's so worldly. That's just the devil. No, I'm going to love them, and I'll learn what it is to love myself. The Bible says love one another, right, as you love yourself. You begin to love one another, you love yourself. You begin to say, Lord, I need to be the salt. I want to be the light and show me how to do that. You know what happens? <laughs> Don't worry about yourself. That's why Christ said it. That's why Jesus is like, listen, I'm not worried about me. I'm not here for me. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, came to serve. Amen. Thank you for the extra few minutes. Who's blessed today by his word? Lord, I pray you work this word inside of our hearts. God, I know that you came to give us life. You came to give us Zoe here today. Came to give us life and life abundantly. God, we have life within us. And I pray that we would let the life out of us. God, that we would not trap the life inside of us or live or try to steal the life you put inside of us for someone else, for ourselves. That it would not just be personal, because it's not. But that your ho- this whole thing that you have created with disciples discipling another. Discipling another. Lord, this whole picture, this whole way that you have designed... Is about letting the oil and the wine, Lord, and there is a benefit to us. We know you. We're blessed by you. We have life within us, Lord. Why would we not want life within us? But it's to produce the fruit. Jesus said, if you don't produce fruit, you are worthless. He said, I cut those branches off, and the fruit is the vine, right? That's the grape. That's the olive. He said, I cut those branches off, and I throw them in the fire. But I thank you, Lord, that we're going to let the life of God flow in us and work in us and come through us to produce the fruit that you have designed us to produce. In Jesus' name, amen.